Welcome to the 85th episode of the Healthcare Analytics Podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you to simply give a rating and or a comment to this podcast as we are trying to increase our cadence and provide more value to you as a listener. So if you are enjoying these podcast episodes and are getting value from it, then please leave a rating and or a review. Now, in this specific episode, I'm going to be talking about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is something that I like to call data re-engineering or reverse engineering. Essentially, what I'm talking about is taking a study or looking at any given research that comes out and then saying to yourself, how did they come up with those findings? Where did they find the data? And then building from the ground up your own research based on the same data or at least the same kind of data that they have. This practice has been very valuable to me and I do enjoy it a lot. I think you will also get value from it because it is a way to validate somebody else's claim by using data or research to back it up. A couple weeks ago, I saw this research that came out from the Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform. That's a mouthful, but what this organization does is it looks at payment methods for hospitals across the United States. And many times I will see this kind of research in healthcare related websites or healthcare related periodicals, magazines, etc. But this one I found on Zero Hedge and it was going all around Twitter about essentially how rural hospitals were at risk of closing. And it lists all the states and all of the hospitals in number that are at risk of closing. And so, for example, Texas and Kansas um, were at the top of the percentage with approximately 63% for Texas of rural hospitals that were at risk of closing. I thought, oh, this is interesting. So I read this uh, entire research paper from the Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform. Say that again, it's kind of a mouthful. But anyway, I read this entire research paper and I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder where they got their information. And I kind of set this research aside and saved it in a place where I can go back to it later. And after thinking about it for a little while, I thought, well, I might as well go back to that paper because it was very popular a few weeks ago, at least in the internet circles that I was in. And so what I decided to do was just take a look at what sources of data they were using. Because one of the things I like to do for fun is if somebody comes out with, let's say, a breakthrough paper, then I like to see what data sources they're using to see if there's any credibility. Usually when I look at an organization that publishes specific research, I don't necessarily look at that organization as being credible or not. I try to go down and look at their sources and usually their sources will be listed at the end of the research paper or they will be listed within the little captions where they have data graphs. And for this specific research paper, they cited only a few different data sources, which makes me think that they're a little bit stingy when it comes to where they're getting their data. But nonetheless, I'm an analyst and I like to actually dig into these numbers, right? And I actually want to see if they are actually driving to the conclusion that they're stating. So one of the things that I found was that amongst all the sources, there was one from Siegel G. Shep's Center for Service 
Sciences Research. That's another mouthful, but I'll say it again. It's Siegel G. Shep's Center for Healthcare Service Research. The other source that I found more interesting, though, was CMS.gov. And if you don't know anything about CMS.gov, that is where I like to go for a lot of research related to specific hospitals, kinds of care, um, cost data for hospitals, and you name it. So if you've never gone to CMS.gov to get data for healthcare, that's one place to get. In the future, I'm hoping to do an entire podcast episode on just healthcare data sources because I have a few that I use on a regular basis that have been really valuable to me if I'm trying to do an analysis just for my own good to learn what's going on. Anyway, one of the main sources that they mentioned was CMS cost report data for 2021 to 2022. And so I thought, well, I know I can find CMS data, but where specifically within the CMS repertoire of data are they pulling from? And so what I did was I just started to look for cost reports. And so I would go to the CMS.gov and just search for cost reports and look at all the data they had for determining costs by hospital. And it was quite a lot of data to sift through, but in about, let's say, 30 minutes to an hour, I could at least drill down into what I thought was the most likely source for the data. Now, one of the things that CMS.gov does, as well as many other organizations, is that they will show data, but their headers will be just a whole bunch of numbers, which a bunch of numbers or letters, or it'll be their own kind of code that you have to then decipher and you have to find the documentation for the data that they provide. Because usually what happens is CMS.gov or any other government agency will send out huge surveys to all the hospitals or many hospitals within a given area, a region, a city, etc. And then the surveys will then be sent back either electronically or via mail. And so that being said, what this means is that for every field heading then you need to find the corresponding question that is associated with that field heading because a field heading could be 00125DC. And I would not know what that field meant unless there was documentation that I could find with CM, within CMS.gov in order to provide that data. Luckily for what I believe is a cost report, I did find that data and I found the documentation to back it up. Now, the other thing is, is that because CMS.gov is very, very sophisticated, or at least more sophisticated than other sources of data, they allow you to connect into their API in order to access data for specific large organizations. But they also provide that data in zipped files that are very large zipped files. And so within those large zipped files are not only Excel tables, but also database tables that you can then download locally to get that data if you're talking millions of rows, etc. And so where I am in this process is at the point to where now I'm digging into the data to see if my findings correspond with what this research says and trying to identify if the fields that they are using on their own research can match up to the fields and the kinds of analysis I want to do. Because usually when there's a specific research article that comes out, then they're looking at it through a different frame. And I just want to understand their frame of mind so that I can go and I can do further analysis on, let's say, 
rural hospitals that are at risk of closing versus urban hospitals that are at risk of closing. Um, looking at cost structures for those kind of hospitals. Do they have more debt? Um, and I could go down and down the list of the different factors that will factor into their research that I just want to back up and validate. But for this specific podcast episode, I'm going to share not only this story, but this story kind of supports the methodology that I use in reverse engineering these research studies. And because it's more or less for fun, but I also do this in our client work where a client wants to provide specific kinds of data, then I'm looking at data either way. This way, I'm just trying to back into another person's finding and then validate or disvalidate if their finding is good or not, or if it is a good methodology to follow when it comes to the research that they're presenting. Because as you know, there are lies, damned lies, and statistics. And so I like to look at the statistics because that's usually where the lies come from. It's not usually, let's say, the survey methodology, which you can look there for different errors. But the data is if it's available, the data is might as well a good place to start because if you know at least that you're using the same data, then you can at least start at that point because you're not having to do all the survey work that CMS.gov has and the resources that they have. If they provide that data, then might as well just use the data. And as an analyst, that is just my sweet spot. So then the question remains, how can you re-engineer or reverse engineer somebody else's study. The first thing that you have to realize is that when it comes to any health care organization, they're coming from a specific perspective. For example, when it comes to the Center for Healthcare Payment or Quality and Payment Reform, then they are certainly looking at the payment methods used within healthcare. So now that I know that, then I know I'm looking at data related to payment, dollars, costs, etc. And so one of the things that I would say is that try to put yourself in the frame of mind of the research organization that's providing you that research. And once you put yourself into that frame of mind, then you can just observe their claim at face value and say, is this a valid claim on its face? And if you, let's say, disagree with that research, then at least try to have an open mind to say, if I was in this organization and I wanted to prove something, then how would I prove it out? In this way, you're trying to, let's say, take your own perspective out of it and see at least what they are trying to see when it comes to their own research. So the first step is simply to observe what the research is saying and observe the perspective of that research organization. From here, the second step is to ask, if I was in this research organization, how would I do this research or analysis and try to follow their method? And this is where you want to start finding data. And so you say, if I was trying to look for information that was valid to my organization, then what research would I need to do or what research would I need to have in order to back this up. This is one of the most important steps and this is where you start digging into data. And so that's where I start to look at different data sources that are mentioned and trying to dig into those data sources. And then just searching online, 
where can I find cost research data from CMS.gov or any other research that may be easily available. Sometimes research organizations are using data that is, let's say, behind a paywall or it has to go through a portal or it's more specific kinds of data. If you don't have that data, then that's where you have to be what I call a little bit creative. You've got to find the closest data you can in order to back into those results. And so if you can't find the best data, then what you need to do is you need to find the second best data that will at least fit within their specific framework. So if I was an analyst at XYZ research organization and I came out with this and I didn't have the data I needed, but I still wanted to prove the point about, let's say, payment and quality reform, then what data would I look for if it's not available on CMS.gov? So that's the second step, to essentially ask, if I were in this organization, how would I do this research or analysis? What data would I use to prove my point? The third step follows the second step in that you're just doing the analysis. You're trying to find the data, you're trying to determine those findings, and you're trying to show it in a graph or visual or text that proves the finding. And so once you start to do the analysis, then you get into the nitty gritty of what fields they're using, what kind of calculations they're using to derive their findings. Um, is there anything that they're missing out of when you're doing your own analysis? Are there things that they're omitting? Or are they using averages when they shouldn't use averages? Is there problems with, let's say, a distribution? Um, there are so many different kinds of ways where you can do an analysis and critique somebody else's analysis. But since you have, let's say, similar data and you're looking at it from their perspective, then now you can compare your own method of analysis to that organization's method of analysis and see where it matches up and see where it does not match up and where you drift off into other trajectories that are not necessarily in line with that research. Because in any given data set, let's say a large data set like the one I'm talking about at CMS.gov, then there is so much data to look at it is very difficult to explain how much data that they have and how you can show that data in different ways. But I at least want to start by saying, okay, I think they use this field that identifies rural versus urban. I know they use this field for cost, let's say for debt and whatever else. And so I think I know that they use these fields. So let's put these fields together and see if I get similar numbers. From there, then I can at least try to build out a framework for what the original research was, and then I can drift off into my own exploration of what the data says. And so I can start to do some research and some understanding about how I would look at it or what ways are beneficial to look at it from a third person perspective. So the third is just to do the analysis. That's quite easy if you're in analytics at all, or if you are managing a team or an individual where there is the capability of doing higher-end analysis. The fourth step is to present your own findings based on the research you did. There are many ways that you can present your findings, let's say in a visual, in dashboards, in a combination of text and visuals, or let's say in a live presentation. But however you present your findings, one of the things to realize is that when you're presenting, let's say, your own research, it's good to at least give a little bit of background of where you're coming from because 
people want to at least know the story of how you've arrived at your specific conclusion. If you give a story about how you arrived at your conclusion, then they can start to understand how the other conclusions that are out there, including the original research, may differ from your own conclusion, and it can open up a conversation. More so than anything else, you want to present your finding in a way that allows for more conversation so that the best ideas and the best conclusions come out. In many cases, you're not necessarily trying to pigeonhole one idea into conclusions, but you're trying to take a third-person perspective or at least a non-biased perspective as best as possible in order to present findings that are valuable to whoever you are presenting it to. So are there any nuances or is there any missing details that you want to bring out that was not in the original research or in other research related to whatever analysis you're doing? When you are able to do so, then you not only build your own credibility, but you also can open up the door for conversation when it comes to all of these details, whether they're relevant or not whether they are important for making decisions based on the research or data that you present. There are many reasons why you at least want to be transparent about the details that other research may not have shown and the way that you are doing your own analysis. These conclusions can be a game changer if you are able to present it in a way that is convincing but yet identifies the methodology used for years in comparison to other research out there in the same topic. The last and most important piece in re-engineering a specific piece of research is to be sure to be fair to the original research and or the organization. If you're fair to their methods, then you will at least have an open mind to their own conclusions. What I mean to say is that many times we'll look at research or we'll look at findings and read it and take, let's say, a 5-10 minute jaunt and try to skim through their research and then discount it because it is not congruent with your own line of thinking. What I'm saying is take another step back, even put that research on the back burner and think about it and then reintroduce it in a way that can give you a more open perspective and ask, why are they trying to drive to this result? What is their perspective that I'm missing? When you are able to be fair to the other research that is out there, then you can, with an open mind, be able to backward engineer their own research and identify why they might have made some mistakes and then present your own research that can be congruent with that research or it can be different from the research that they provided. And in my mind, it comes down to humility. If you can attain the humility to at least suspend your own belief and say, I'm going to at least take them at their word and then try to prove out what they are doing analysis-wise and then present your own analysis and compare your own thinking with theirs, then you are essentially having a conversation in your own head or having a conversation about their own research and their own methods versus your own research and your own methods. And through doing this analysis, then you can come to conclusions that are original or unique that can help you and your organizations make better decisions. 
And in summarizing this specific episode, I'm going to reiterate the five points that you can use in re-engineering somebody else's study. The first is simply to observe somebody else's claim or research. Try to find the sources that they used and try to understand from their perspective what they are trying to drive to. Once you can observe their claim, then you can get into their perspective to understand if they are actually coming from a place where they are wanting to contribute to the conversation that's already being had. Secondly, ask yourself, how would I do this research if I was in that organization? And so this is where you look at the data sources and you try to find data that is similar or the closest fit to what they are using. If they are using proprietary data that you don't have access to, then try to find the closest or the nearest data that you can have access to in order to prove out their point. The third thing that I would say is that doing the analysis means that you are at least trying to understand what analysis they are doing and getting as close as possible to their own numbers and then doing your own research and your own analysis and finding where they may have missed some details, what the overall picture is, and what analysis you enjoy doing to explore different findings that are applicable to you and your situation. Fourthly, present your findings in a way that opens up the door for more conversation. Present your methods in a way that can contrast your own methods with the original research methods. Be as transparent as you can about the process that you used in order for people to understand how you came to your conclusions and how that is different from the original research paper. The fifth and last thing that I would recommend is to simply be fair to the original research. The original researchers who are positing something fresh and new are trying to do so in a way that furthers everybody else's understanding and tries to bring to light information that wasn't originally considered. So if you are fair to the original research, then you can then begin to have a conversation between that original research and your own findings and try to identify the nuance between the two and where they missed out and where you are trying to drive to specific conclusions based on your own perspective. For well-established organizations, this is very difficult because what it means is that you have to take on some degree of humility and taking for granted, at least at face value, somebody else's research before even taking a look at the data that they are looking at. So if you can acquire and or adopt this kind of humility, then it can go a long way in building your own credibility and it can also be a way that allows you to improve your skill set because there are other perspectives out there that you are trying to either validate or disprove or arrive at a conclusion that lies somewhere in the middle of the two. Quite personally, I enjoy this kind of research because not only is it about just looking at raw data, but there are specific topics that can be covered when it comes to the data. And so it's not like I'm looking at a raw spreadsheet and trying to arrive at my own conclusions. I'm looking at a raw spreadsheet, finding out how somebody else arrived at specific conclusions, and then coming up with my own conclusions. And that's really fun because then I can present a specific train of thought that 
allows me to understand where somebody else is coming from, where I'm coming from, and the nuances between the two. It's really, really fun if you've never done it before or you haven't led a team that has done this research before. But if you are curious about, let's say, somebody else's research, I'd say might as well give it a try. Try to find data that is the closest fit that you can find and hunt for the data as best as you can. That is one of the most difficult things is trying to find the data and trying to find the fields and the data dictionaries that align with that data. And then from there, you can start to do the analysis. Finding the data has always been one of the most difficult things, at least for me, and I would gather for many analysts out there. But it's also rewarding when you find exactly the right data for exactly the right purpose. And in this case, for the CMS.gov data, I think I'm pretty close. So we'll see. If you want to know about these findings or others, then stay tuned and follow us on LinkedIn if you search for Arcos Analytics, and you'll be able to find our findings as we come out with them in the next couple weeks. So thanks for listening, and I will talk to you later.